Our guest speaker today is Bo Stern Brady, the lead pastor from Beaverton Foursquare Church. She talks about why shoes are a problem in a holy moment. This is Awaken Online, a virtual library of the Sunday morning messages at Awaken Church in McMinnville, Oregon. I want to share with you this morning out of Exodus, and I always say kind of beware the the things you read in the Bible over and over again, because a lot of times we can move past them so quickly that we fail to notice what's really happening, or we don't look enough under the skin of it to see, oh, that's what that means to me, or that's what that meant in that moment, and what might that mean to me now? And so um, I want to go to Exodus 3. Some It's a story... I think we've all heard, I think probably this is one of those stories that transcends even the faith. Many people have heard about it, entire movies have been made about it. And so these are the kinds of scriptures that we need to look closely at and say, Holy Spirit, is there something you want to show me that that they didn't show me in Prince of Egypt, you know? Um, Exodus 3, the first words of God to Moses, the very first words to the man that he is choosing to be his representative to free a whole nation are, do not come any closer. That doesn't seem very kind or welcoming or hospitable. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Whatever happened to come as you are? That's weird. The first words of of God to Moses are, Don't come closer and change something. Change something before you approach me. And I think it's a a big deal. He's saying something about the way you are in this moment is getting in the way of something I want you to become. Um, Let's mark that on our hearts and set it as a backdrop because Moses didn't have to change a thing to be loved by God. That wasn't an issue. He's already loved by God. That's why God sends him a burning bush. Already loved, already adored by God. But there's an adjustment to make in order to do the next thing. Because this is a holy moment. This is holy ground that he's standing on. And honestly, it's kind of not. This ground is the same 40 acres Moses has been tending for 40 years. He's been walking every inch of this ground. He knows every bit of it. He understands what grows and what doesn't. He knows where all the sheep are. He knows this place like the back of his hand. And all of a sudden, on one day, he notices something he's never noticed before. Maybe it wasn't there before, or maybe he wasn't in the right spot before, or maybe he saw it and he was too busy to turn aside and look at it. But on this particular day, he finds himself in a completely ordinary place, standing on a patch of extraordinary ground. And so God says, you need to take off your shoes and, and settle into this moment for a minute. And he, whoa, this is going to get to most. Um, he, he says, also, don't come any closer. Stay right there. My inclination is always going to be to move further, closer, closer. I'm going to go closer in. But he says, nope, right there is good. I want to move toward the shiny object. I want to move toward the phenomenon. I want to turn toward the noise. I want to see, do I need to put the bush out? 
Do I need to deal with the fire hazard? Do I what what does do I need to gather people around to see it too? But God says, stay right where you are. Don't go any closer to that. Your attention right now is on me. It's not on the phenomenon. It's not on the sign and wonder. Your attention right now needs to be on me. And so it's this holy moment where God lands smack dab in the middle of the ordinary. He shows up in this regular day to a regular guy. And he, I mean, we look at Moses now in the rear view and we see him as being the deliverer of all of Israel. And in fact, in this moment, what he is, is a guy who's been working the back 40 for 40 years. He's not famous. He's not anything. And God shows up and he, 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 he places this holy moment in his path. And so many times I think we've got these opportunities to either look at a moment, discover it, inhabit it, let God come into it, let God come into us in that moment and speak to us about what's next. Or we can easily just move on if we want to. I think we can. Why is Moses the only one God asked to do this? I don't know if Moses was the only one God asked to do this. I just know Moses is the one who said yes. Moses is the one who stopped and turned aside and looked to see. So holy moments are a big deal in our lives. It's still happening today all around us. It happened here this morning. I felt it. Holy moments are a few things to us. First, they're a place of vision. They're a place of being truly seen and a place where we can truly see. It says in uh, 3, 7 through 10, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I, listen to this, I am concerned about their suffering. This is God. I see them and I hear them. I'm worried about them. He's a good father. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the bunch of bad guys, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, all of them. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh and bring my people to the Israelites, the Israelites out of Egypt. So this is a place of vision. This is a place where Moses steps into the moment and he hears from God. He sees him and hears from him and he hears a word he's never heard before. The word is not that good of news to him, but he hears it. He hears that he's the one that's going to go. And because of that, holy moments can also be a place of wrestling. Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So Moses feels really inadequate for this moment. He's just at this point, a shepherd. He's just kind of a nothing. And he lands on his field and one day and God shows up and says, hey, guess what? You're going to be the new prince of Egypt. Guess what? I'm going to send you to set a bunch of people free. I'm going to ask you to do a really hard and dangerous thing. And Moses says, I can't. That's not me. I can't do it. And God says an interesting thing to him. He says, I will be with you. 
Now, this to me is a little bit like, men, if your woman has ever asked you before you go out, do I look good in this outfit? And your answer is, doesn't matter if you look good. I will be with you and I look good. Nobody's going to be looking at you anyway. You're going to be fine. I'm with you, girl. I got this. This is a little bit what God is saying to him because God could say to him, yeah, buddy, you know what? You're great. You're, you're all, look at all the good shepherding you've done. Look at the cool things you learned when you were being raised in the king's house. You're ready to go. I've built all these things into you. You've got this. He doesn't even come close to saying that. He doesn't pat him on the back. He doesn't give him an attaboy. He doesn't reassure him that he's going to be enough. He only reassures him that God will be enough and God will be with him. In his inadequacy, in his stuttering, in his frustrations, God will be with him. Moses argues with God for an uncomfortably long time. It's, it really is very, very disturbing to read it until it, the, it finally gets to a point where it says that God's anger burns against him. He's like, you better stop it. I'm sending you. Holy moments can be a place of wrestling, of God asking, what is happening? How do I do this? Of asking God that, what, how, how, what, what have you called me to? I, I'm going to tell you, I am in one of those spots right now. I took a regular job about 10 months ago as spiritual formation director at a church in Beaverton. And if you've ever wondered what a spiritual formation director does, so do a lot of people, especially people like at the mortgage company and stuff, (laughs) a spiritual formation director. And uh, uh, about 10 weeks into my job there, our senior pastor was removed and we were looking around for a couple of months going, what are we doing? What are we doing? How do we get, we need a leader. We need a leader. And our denomination stepped in and said, we pick you. And I was like, nope, nope, you got the wrong girl. And, and that would be cool if it was just that moment of wrestling where I just said, God, no, I don't think I'm good enough for this. But it's every single morning, every single morning on my couch and about 1,400 times during the day, I say, I don't know what I'm doing. I am not good enough for this. You got the wrong girl. I don't know how to do this. And every time God does not say, your outfit's cute. Every time I keep waiting for it. No, you're, you are good enough. Nope. He always says, I am with you. I am with you. And so far we haven't shipwrecked the place. He and I together. Um, God's response is always the same in the wrestling. I will be with you and I look good. Holy moments are a place of resourcing. God doesn't just meet Moses with, vi- with vision and a mission. He meets him with a staff and with supernatural power and with a spokesperson. He meets Moses with himself, with his own abilities, but he does give him what he needs to do the job. And sometimes I have to review that in my heart. I know what God has given me here. He's given me a great staff in the form of people, not actually a shepherd's hook, but he's given me people and he's given me uh, an incredible place, an incredible church and all of these things and an incredible husband who listens to me complain about this all the time, night and day, never get sick of it. And (laughs) right. Um, 
And I just see God showing up in these moments because holy moments are a place of resourcing. God never asks us to figure out how to win the world. He just says, I'm just going with you into the world and listen to me. I'm going to show you. I'm going to resource you. And holy moments, so they are a place of wrestling and they are a place of seeing vision, but they are a place also of wrestling and resourcing, but they are also generally temporary. Holy moments don't last forever. It would have been easy, I think, for Moses to be like, this bush is really cool. And I want to kind of pull up my lawn chairs, maybe build a little tent over there. Maybe eventually we're going to make the tent a little building so it's safe from storms. And I'm just going to live right here by the warmth of the fire and in this sparkly, pretty moment. But God says what? Go. I'm sending you out. I'm sending you somewhere. I'm going to give you something in this moment. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to give you maybe a little sketched out map. Maybe not. God's mostly not a map God. He's mostly like a GPS God, like direction by direction. And I'm going to be with you when we go. Holy moments of divine presence are meant to stop us, reveal truth to us, empower us, and send us. A holy moment might look like a forced pause, a delayed flight, a missed bus, a long traffic light, a slow line at the grocery store, a spiritual nudge, a shoulder tap, where you just feel God is saying something to you and you can't quite hear it through the noise. Stop and listen. Holy moments can look like, oh, I just caught a glint of something over there and I don't know what. I sometimes will see a homeless person. Well, I live in Beaverton, so I all the time see homeless people. And sometimes I drive right past and sometimes I'm telling you there's a holy thing happening and I feel it. There's a moment. There's a something. Will you turn aside to see Cliff and I together, we got married four years ago and we have 10 kids. And uh, if that sounds overwhelming, amen. Yes, it is. And we, um, it, it, that, the idea of having a mass amount of, and our last name is Brady, by the way, which is not lost on us, the irony of it. I always say that in, when I was a little girl and Vanjie and I and Dean were watching the Brady Bunch episodes, I never once envisioned that if I found myself in a Brady Bunch scenario, I would be Carol. I never once, I was going to be Marsha, 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 but I ended up being Carol of the Brady clan. Um, but we have 10 kids and it's easy. We pull them all together at least once a month at our house for a big family dinner, theme night, celebration thing. And it's easy to look at the masses, but sometimes we'll catch a glint of one of them and we'll say, this is a holy moment with this one kid. Turn aside and see, see what God is doing. Speaking of my family, when I was a my first daughter was 18, uh, 13 months old. My husband and I went over the mountain to Black Butte for the 4th of July weekend, and we got hit by a drunk driver. And um, I went by ambulance to Warm Springs, and she flew up in a life flight, and we didn't know if she would make it or not at the time. And traffic was stopped along the road, and it was um, just a, a messy situation. And there, it, we... We all were hurt, and my husband was knocked unconscious, just walking up and down the side of the road, not knowing where he was or what was going on. And 
so later, a couple of weeks later, we went to our church and they had us come up and they prayed for us, prayed for healing and restoration. And after that service, a man came up to us and he said, I just want you to know, I was on that road traveling back from Bend and I stopped and I heard the Lord clearly. And it was the first time this has ever happened to me. And the Lord said, stop and pray hard for this family. And he stopped and he prayed and he said, I just need you to know that God saw you that day. And I realized while my husband was walking and couldn't even cover us in that way, God called someone else to do it. And it was this big moment for me of understanding God is everywhere and he sees you and he goes with you and all the little safety nets that I built around me, my husband will take care of me, um, are, 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 don't, they, they don't matter. It's not the main thing. God is always there. And then when my husband was diagnosed with ALS, we got an email from the same guy. We hadn't talked to him again since. And he said, hey, I'm the guy that stopped and prayed for you when you had your accident. And I just want you to know I'm praying for you now. And I'm with you now. And he caught us up on his life. And he said, you know, just know that I'm here. And I love you guys. Love, Cliff Brady. Holy moments all around. Cliff didn't know when he stopped, interrupted his vacation to stop and pray for family, and he had no idea who they were, that he would be praying for his future wife and his future daughter. But that's the crazy thing that God does. And bigger than that, bigger than Cliff and I's story is the, is the story of my daughter, who sometimes, especially right now in her wonders, if God sees her and knows her, and she has this one thing she holds on to, she knows that her stepdad knew her in that moment and was praying for her. So we can't afford to miss them. We want to look and see, God, what are you, what, where are you leading us? How are you showing us what can happen from a holy moment? And so I asked myself this question when I was studying this passage, why are shoes a problem in a holy moment? Because I particularly love shoes, and I'm wondering why they would get in the way of me and Jesus. And I think there's a couple things happening here. Practically, our shoes can look like a lot of different things, but they numb us to the reality of the moment that we're living in. Metaphorically, the shoes Moses is wearing keep him from feeling and grounding in to the moment. God says, feel this moment. Feel the ground you're standing on. Inhabit it for a minute. Don't numb yourself to what's going on. Practically, our shoes can look like agenda. I'm busy. I got to go. I got to hurry. I'm on vacation. I need to get home. They can look like prejudice or fear or judgment or pride or my own heartache or hopelessness or inadequacy or just closed heartedness. My closed heartedness can numb me to a moment. In fact, I keep a little list in my journal of people I don't want to run into at Winco. Because if there's somebody I don't want to run into at Winco, it shows there's someone my heart has closed to. And I don't want to live like that. I want to fix it. 
I want to fix it because I want to be available in any moment to be able to reach into any place where God tells me to go with an open heart, not an open heart toward you, dear person, and a closed heart toward these 17 people. I want to live with an open heart. And sometimes I have to be willing to sit down with my journal and take off some shoes. I've, I've got some shoes on that make me close to people. I have 1 million political opinions. I have them. I have them all day long, but you will not hear me share them from this mic. Because if my opinions cause me to close my heart to people that Jesus loves, people who bear his image, then my opinions are keeping me from a burning bush that might lead to something beautiful. I need to be willing to shed some shoes in order to fully embrace a holy moment. I think another reason our shoes might be a problem is because what's the first thing when you have little kids, what's the first thing you say when it's time to leave the house, get your shoes on. What's the 17th thing you say when it's time to leave the house, get your shoes on, get your shoes on. Why? Because shoes get you ready to run. And sometimes we are just too ready to run. We're just too ready to move out of a situation where we are called to stay to linger, to hold fast, to stand and stand again. And so sometimes we have to take off our readiness to get to the next place. Sometimes in this house, you're probably going to have to take off your readiness to get to lunch because maybe a holy moment is going on right here and you need to stay. You need to linger in it a little. You need to manufacture it, but sometimes you have to decide, am I willing to sink into this moment or not? I am so busy. And I've come to hate that line more than any other line. I, all of these technological advances, have they freed up our time much? No. We are surrounded by information, by movement, by noise, by just the, the maddening pace of our world. And sometimes the most effective thing we can do, I mean, we can be fantastically gifted, but it won't matter if we can't slow down and actually focus on the way God wants to use those gifts in our world. It won't matter. So shoes keep us ready to run. We get really easily distracted and we run fast and far and it's conditioned in us by our own nature and also by our world. You know, a room this size can handle about 15 seconds of silence before people start to get real uncomfortable. So I'm going to try it. It's fascinating. 15 seconds of silence, that's what we can handle. Our ancestors lived in solitude. Our church fathers embraced solitude so that they could hear the voice of the one that they love. And we can't go 15 seconds. The reason I can't pick a movie to watch on Netflix is because I don't make it through the first 23 seconds without deciding I'm bored. I need to move on to something else, something else, something else. We live in the tyranny of the urgent and it keeps us from seeing the holy moments God has around us. Without shoes on, God is saying, settle in for a bit and tread softly here. You don't own this ground, but you've been invited to it. I know it's become a bit of a cliche in our day, but this whole Moses moment is a divine declaration to be present to the world around you. 
holy moments move us out of automated spirituality because we're so good at that. Just like, this is how we do it. This is how we have church. This is how we do quiet time. This is how we do Bible studies. This is how we do it. This is how we have a spiritual faith. And and honestly, I, I have no complaints about them. My church is exactly like this, but the rows that we set up and the stage and the elevator and all the things, is it's not the, it's not the Acts church. It's the Greco-Roman Empire. This is how they set up church, and this is how we've been doing it ever since. We automated. It's easy to automate. It's easy to get things done. Cliff and I stayed in an Airbnb, Airbnb in Bend recently, and it had a coffee maker that was brand new right out of the box. And I could not figure out how to use it because there was no coffee grinder. And so I have a grinder, and I have, I have a coffee and a coffee maker, but no grinder. And the, the day I was going to speak that morning, and I was getting desperate enough to say, maybe if I hit the beans with books, maybe if I could figure, if I could stomp them hard, will it work? And I couldn't figure anything out. And I finally put my glasses on and looked at the coffee maker and I saw that it said grinding, grinding brew. I was like, there's a grinder inside the coffee pot. And so then every, every issue of figuring that thing out was a mess. Even just getting the lid off the pot had some kind of weird juju magic thing that I had to figure out. Finally, I got a pot of coffee made and it was just, I make a pot of coffee every morning in my life. In fact, we have a house in Bend and in Beaverton and I make sure we have the same coffee maker at both. So I have 20 seconds from start time to get coffee in my hand in the morning. And this day it was like 20 minutes trying to get a cup of coffee. But I'm telling you what, I felt like a hero. I felt like a real hero because something that used to be automated now, I had to do a different way. And it makes you have a different appreciation for what comes out in the end. And sometimes we just automate our faith too much. We say, this is how God shows up and this is how I show up and it ought to look like this. Worship team, you guys can come on back. The way of Jesus is the way of presence. The way of Jesus is the way of listening. How are we going to do this today? What are you saying today for my life? Is this just another drive down Murray Road, 10 minutes to my church where I'll sit in my office until four o'clock and come home? Or is today a fresh day, the only day that I get to live, the only chance I have to live October 1st, 2023? I mean, our feet are firmly planted on the timeline of October 1st, 2023. We are not getting off this timeline until midnight, right? This is where we're at. But all around us runs the red line of God's eternal purpose. All around us, he is connecting stories and causing people to intersect who wouldn't otherwise have intersected and bringing hope to people who wouldn't otherwise have felt it or experienced it. He is using our feet to move into a world that is dying and desperate without him. And maybe it's time that we think about more than another way to make chicken. You know, like, but can I figure out another thing than just what's my opinion about uh, social media or what's my opinion about the politics or the world or whatever when there are people all around us, real actual people who Jesus loves right within the sight and sound of this building, this space where you occupy, who need him who need to see him in you and through you. He's not asking you to figure out a way to save the city of McMinnville. He's just asking you to turn aside when you see a holy moment. 
He's just asking you to pay attention. He's asking you to be present to his spirit. He's asking you to make room for his voice to show up in your life. Sometimes we have to do that in order to let the moment become a miracle. In order to step into something that matters. There are moments here inside this building every week. You have kids that come into this building every week who are still forming their theology. They're still forming their opinion about who Jesus is. And every single word you speak to them is holy. There are desperate people that show up here every weekend, even if you don't know it. Even if you think everyone in this room is fine and they've got a shiny good face. There are people who need a holy moment. McMinnville is filled with happy-looking wine tasters who take up your parking spots, jam up your restaurants. But they're here for a reason. They're living out a story. They're walking out a timeline. This is their only October 1st in all of history. I just want to impress on you not a sense of pressure, but a sense of power. You matter. Your yes to the Holy Spirit matters you matter thank you for joining us today for more information about awaken church please visit our website awakenmac.com that's a-w-a-k-e-n-m-a-c dot c-o-m